Radio. It's that time of the week where we brunch here at RX Radio. Welcome to the Brunch Talk. I'm your host, Olive, every Saturday afternoon. But first, how have you been since last Saturday? It's been a long time. Six days, uh, what, seven days since the last time we talked? Have you had a good time since? But seriously, where are you on your goals for the year 2022? Are you dieting or working out to lose weight like you had set out to do? Have you taken that course or are you trying to make a difference for your community? I'm asking because the first quarter of the year is almost done and a self-audit could be paramount. But no pressure, take your time. In the meantime, something interesting happened this week. The Democratic Party President Nobat Mao launched a land rights campaign in the Acholi subregion. The campaign seeks to defend the vulnerable, document land, offer legal and advisory services to the vulnerable people in the region, among others. And joining me for brunch today to walk us through the campaign and, of course, the political climate of the nation is the man himself, Nobat Mao, the DP president. I wouldn't touch that dial because this is going to be educational and fun. We'll be right back. RX Radio. This is the Branch Talk. My name is Olive. I'm having brunch with the DP party president, Nobat Mao. You are most welcome, sir. Thank you, Olive. And uh, greetings to all of you listeners of RX Radio. This is my first time to appear on this radio. It's a great honor. Thank you. It's actually your second time. We last talked to you during the election campaigns. <laughs> ah, yes. I bl- blame it on old age. <laughs> <laughs> it's allowed. It's allowed. But first off, what is this land rights campaign in the Acholi subregion all about and who will it benefit? There are lots of threats to land rights right now. Mm. These threats range from the big threats of grabbing of land by the government, grabbing of land by the rich and powerful, and then grabbing of land by members of the same family who have financial advantages, dispossessing those who are less advantaged. So the land rights campaign is to prevent landlessness. After 20 years of war, most of northern Uganda, particularly Choliland, has only land as the main source of wealth. We used to have cattle, we no longer have cattle. Our people don't have the level of savings that would enable them to invest in other businesses. Mm. Our people, many have not been able to go to school. So household incomes that would normally be augmented by employed jobs, by family members, all that is gone. Amidst all that, our people were kept in camps for over 10 years. And during the 10 years, they were living away from their land. And 
we insisted that nobody should try to title any land until the people have returned back home from the camps. Was this done? But it wasn't. And that's why we are saying mm. any land which was titled and given away before people returned from the camps should be given back to the real owners. Mm. Then we have got big deals the government of Uganda made with, for instance, the government of Libya to give tens of thousands of hectares of land from the big government ranches in Acholi land. We hear rumors, this one I haven't verified, I only verified the one in Libya, that uh, Israel is also supposed to get land. And we are saying government cannot give what it does not own. You cannot give away what is not yours. Only government land we know of is land which is titled in the names of Uganda Land Commission mm. or land which has been gazetted as government land. Okay. But the government now seems to think that the land which is empty and unutilized is empty land. So during the launch, you mentioned that a Choli sub-region, including a Pa Township in Amuru District, a Swar Ranch in Padel District, Maruzi Ranch in Apak District, among others, are under threat from the government, state agencies, powerful government officials and uh, investors. These, these hectares of land you just mentioned that government is giving away to foreign investors, are they the ones that are under threat? Those are the main threats, mm. but there are also land which belongs to communities and families. Okay. We have people, the so-called Balalo, which is now a generic term for people who are coming from across the River Nile, mm. who have been settled all the way from Isinjiro, Liantonde, uh, Sembabule, up to Kiriandongo. They come and buy a small piece of land, say 50 acres, mm. but then they bring more than 200 cows. <laughs> reminds which, me. Which that land cannot hold. Yeah, reminds me of a song where someone was saying that Abalalo, they've come, they are three people, but they have a hundred cows. That is exactly the experience. Mm. Now, the president wrote a letter and even appointed a committee to deal with the problem of the Balalo. Mm. I believe that the president looked at the problem from the point of view of the Balalo rather than the point of view of the Acholi. Of the Acholi. Our people used to have cows. Mm. The cattle compensation program has been full of corruption and lies. It has delayed too much. People have lost faith in it. Yet amidst all that, President Museveni went and signed the Joba Peace Agreement, mm -hmm. which promised restocking. The restocking of cattle. Of cattle. The people trying to pick up their lives from war are extremely poor and vulnerable. Mm. We are calling upon the president to address the vulnerability of the poor people rather than simply telling the Balalo to fence their land or get sale agreements or lease agreements. That's really not the solution. That is treating symptoms. The what would be the cows. solution? The solution is restocking. Mm. 
we used to have cows and it is those cows that would be sold to solve problems mm. in the absence of the cows the land has now become the cows but if we are not careful in the same way the cows were stolen even the land, the land will also be stolen hence this campaign which is not a political campaign but is a public awareness campaign to sensitize families and communities not to sell their land and then to get help when they are negotiating any form of lease agreements actually the campaign is also about unifying the, the voices of the leaders mm. to draw a line between the actual threats and the, the imaginary threats most of our people think that when a family member sells 10 acres of land that is a big threat you know they get pangas and start fighting we are saying those ones are the smaller threats the real threats are the ones that are from the rich and powerful who see empty land and think it's land free. available Ah. So which tools are you planning to use to drive this message home and how will you ensure that it does not turn into a political issue? My record is clear. Mm. I am one of those who addresses issues very objectively. Mm. We are going to open up a citizens advice center in Golo mm. to offer advice both in person we shall open up a a land rights hotline which is toll free mm-hmm. to 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 support our people number three, we are going to carry out a public education campaign using the mass media especially radio yes to sensitize the people we are going to lobby government and the all agencies so that they can be part of this campaign when people are empowered and they have ownership they will know that their vulnerabilities can be addressed we are going to ensure that land boundaries are demarcated we shall organize surveys of communal and family lands as a way of protecting the, the land rights of the vulnerable people Oh, okay. Those seem like uh, very good tools and uh, yeah, they can bring good results because our people need to know their rights. It's it's surprising how many people don't understand their rights when it comes to land. I see many stories in the news of people that have been chased off land, uh, that have been made homeless yet they once owned these big chunks of land. So, I appreciate what you're doing, Mr. Mao. Thank you very much. This is the Brunch Talk. My name is Olive and I'm having a good time with the Democratic Party President Nobat Mao. We are going to go for a short break and when we return, we will talk business in the Democratic Party. Don't go away. This is what music was created for. RX Radio.
Welcome back. This is the Branch Talk. My name is Olive and today with me on this Branch Talk is uh, Nobat Mao, the Democratic Party president. Earlier, we were delving into the issue of land rights and the campaign that he launched for uh, regarding land rights in the Acholi sub-region. But going away from that, let's talk politics. Mr. Mao. Yes. Let's turn our attention to the Democratic Party. You have recently hinted on plans to strengthen your support in the central region. And uh, I guess the question here is, how are you planning to regain supporters that you lost to mushrooming parties like the National Unity Platform? We, we believe that membership retention mm. is possible through building a firm base of cadres who are true believers those who were swayed by the so-called wave were never firm members or true believers in the first place. Many of them were swayed because they had personal ambitions they needed to fulfill. Mm. They were office seekers. So we are planning to re-energize and strengthen the party, particularly in the strong base of Uganda, mm. using two special organs of the party, the Uganda Young Democrats okay. and the Women's League. Mm. You heard recently that we were able to sweep the elections of MOPs for the Guild. Yes, you did. We were able to do that because we have invested in core teams of young people. Mm. Some of the members who left we are members who were never even loyal to the party anyway. So we have started afresh by building the young people's organizations, which is the Uganda Young Democrats, and then also building a strong DP Women's League. And we do that by supporting organizations of branches of the UID, at district, constituency, sub-county or town council, parish and village. We are doing the same for the Women's League mm. so that the party will now be rooted in those two special organs. From now onwards, to be a serious member of DP means you have been groomed and mentored through the ranks of these two special organs. Mm. That is a kind of vaccine against poaching and, <laughs> and crisscrossing. <laughs> and by the way, when you mention poaching, it feels like every party that is in this country has somehow poached from two parties, UPC and Democratic Party, but mainly Democratic Party. So you're rebuilding from the grassroots. Yes. Just like you cannot finish the fish from the water. Mm. I believe that good leaders will never be finished from DP. So in the last elections, you lost key party members. By this, I mean some that were in leadership positions like Betty Nambose to National Unity Platform. Um, I'm sure the listeners out there are, are curious to know how this move affected the party and its operations and its overall standing among supporters. Like I said, when that mass defection happened mm. we would be lying if we said it did not hurt the party 
it definitely hurt the party because these were strong voices. Mm. The party had invested a lot in them. Therefore, it was a loss to the party. Mm. It was also a loss because these were people who had the capacity to support other candidates to win. So their defection transferred the energies they used to put to support DP candidates to the party they went to, the National Unity Platform. Yes. Sadly, they were they had strong personal brands. Mm. I agree. So though many of them were really disloyal members and many times they were fighting the party leadership, mm. we cannot deny that they were making a contribution to the party to the party in terms of its brand mm. in terms of its leadership credentials and in terms of uh, outreach so we, we we their departure affected the party so i understand your regrooming like you said earlier but have you also taken time to maybe figure out like i said earlier uh, an audit uh, to have you taken time to do an audit within the party and see apart from personal reasons uh, and seeking for office for personal reasons for, for by party members have you tried to find out why people leave all, all parties lose members. For us, immediately after the elections, we did a party retreat. Mm. And we found the reasons. Number one, there were lots of conflicts in the party. Okay. Of course, the conflicts were between them and the party constitution. So, with the benefit of hindsight... I hope they are happier where they went. <laughs> you can only wish I, them luck. That's all. We are still in the same country. Mm. Sometimes when you fail to live within the same organization, you split and then you become neighbors rather than being within the same boundary. Mm. So I hope we can now be good neighbors. Because Second, they, mm-hmm. Secondly, yes. apart from the conflicts, Many of them were not interested in building the party as an institution. They felt like the party had to be part of a bandwagon which is led by other groups outside the party and without any formal undertaking or agreement. For instance, we would have worked very well with the NUP leader, but we insisted that changing government is only a means to an end. Mm. We must agree on what we will do once we are in government. Mm. And for them, they were saying, never mind, let us first remove the the current government, we shall discuss later. And we told them Uganda has had a lot of changes. I mean, removed the body, people celebrated, nothing changed. Mm. Then... uh, the so-called liberators came from Tanzania, removed Idi Amin, nothing changed. Obote came back. It was the same trajectory. So if we truly want to have change without bloodshed in Uganda, we must do the hard work by being honest to one another, 
so that we build a genuine coalition which is around issues rather than around personalities the personalities should be second so there seems to be a disconnect between opposition parties in the country so much so that uh, Ugandans not all of them but a, a good section of Ugandans are kind of confused on who to support or where to go and some of them have even lost faith in the opposition how can this be rebuilt because you guys uh, the political parties don't seem to see eye to eye The reason we don't see eye to eye is simple. Many people are in politics for self-aggrandizement. I have demonstrated that as long as we have a clear-cut agreement, I don't have to be the leader. I don't have to be the flag bearer. I can support anybody else mm. like I did under the TTA supporting Amama and Babas. Mm. But there are those who want to unite with you, but they have an inflexible condition that they have got to be the leader. Mm. That is the reason why opposition parties can't meet. But more importantly there's disrespect. You may consider yourself a big party, but what will you do when you get 49% and you need 1% in order to be sworn in as president? Every number counts. We need to respect one another and we also need to realize that each party was formed for a purpose. Mm. They are now making it appear as if uh, the, the struggle for democracy is uh, only about removing President Museveni. We must change the system called Musevenism and the mindset of Ugandans and the machine he has built which oppresses people. Many people don't see beyond that. And I've told them, if one man were to be your problem, why don't you hire a mercenary and just execute him mafia style? <laughs> But we have seen that even from countries where there have been coups um basically it it makes things worse look at south sudan right sorry sudan right now that the, there was a coup someone was ousted and right now things are worse than they used to be we must pick those lessons so that we don't have to repeat those mistakes these lessons are there from egypt to tunisia to Zimbabwe. Mm. In Zimbabwe the army deceived people that they were now pro people. But all the army wanted to do was to remove Mugabe and once Mugabe was removed they turned the guns on the people. Mm. So people like us who think for ourselves and who speak out and who don't want to follow anybody blindly we are seen as problematic people. Then you have attempts to blackmail us. They think if you are not with them then you are with the, the regime in power which is total nonsense but that blackmail cannot work because the unity they preach of the opposition they don't believe in it they actually believe in being supported they don't believe in principled unity so mr mao you have been on this political scene for many years and that's uh, right yes and uh, Personally I have high respect for you and some of your peers and I wonder cuz we have already moved Aya or close to Aya since the last election so where do you see us in the next election cycle I think right now each party should strengthen its capacity mm. 
I think the whole talk of the United Opposition is diversionary. We campaigned for a multi-party democracy. We wanted every party to organize itself and we can cooperate if need be. So I think in 2026, we are going to have more parties competing. So it, you, what you're saying is that let the best man win. Ugandans will be the judge. Okay. <laughs> that is my hope and prayer. Okay, and it is my hope and prayer. This is the Branch Talk. Thank you so much for keeping it RX Radio. We'll be right back. RX Radio. Thank you so much for listening to Rx Radio. And in a special way, I would like to thank you for always tuning in every Saturday afternoon to listen to the Branch Talk. Branch Talk is where we have conversations with people who matter, people who make news in our society, who is talking, what was in the news, what can we change about our society. Those are the conversations we have here. And today I am speaking to the Democratic Party president, Mr. Nobat Mao. Earlier, we had uh, we delved into the land issues in Acholi subregion and then, of course, the political situation in the country. And if you missed any of this, if you've just joined us, kindly go to the podcast section after the show. You will find a link to this particular episode and have a go at it. But for now, Mr. Mao, you recently advised political parties to embrace the inter-party organization for dialogue agenda, noting that the platform has yielded good results. Um, I'm curious to know, and I'm sure the listeners are curious to know what these results are. The iPod was already in existence. Mm. The founder members of iPod were FDC, DP, CP, NRM, and the Gemma. Now, iPod is not an idea which is unique to Uganda. iPod has worked in some countries, that kind of idea, in Malawi, in Tanzania, in Kenya, and even Ghana. So we thought there should be a platform that can detoxify the political environment, Mm. which is so polarized and toxic. The purpose is to be a clearing house, sort of like a place where competitors can become partners to address common problems. Mm. The first achievement of iPod was the very idea of sitting together to talk. That is dialogue. The second achievement is to ensure that government supports political parties financially. This would term the effect of foreign funding of our political parties. It would entrench their independence. As I talk now, iPod managed to increase the amount of money that are available to politicians and the political parties. This money is used to groom new political leaders, to land party offices, and to run programs of elections. That is an achievement. 
and we did it for all parties in parliament you may have seen the information we released yes because nrm gets the lion's share which is over 17 billion nope is about three point something three point one fdc just under two billion dp is a, a little under 500 million and so on so is it according yeah. to how many members of parliament a party has in uh, how big it the is party based is on in parliament? strength in parliament ah okay so you get money in proportion to your parliamentary numbers ipod has also enabled us to address urgent issues after this very violent 2021 elections mm. there were kidnaps unlawful arrests false imprisonment and even outright murders through the ipod platform we insisted to the government through the president who is a member of the ipod summit that there should be immediate release of those who have been unlawfully detained close to 60 people were released we may be denounced to be going to meet with the other political party leaders including nrm we are ridiculed for going there to drink tea to do photo opportunities but i'm sure the families of those young people who were released were very happy with us ipod can also be the nucleus of the national dialogue because the dialogue must be centered around the political actors the religious leaders and cultural leaders can have dialogue but until the political parties are involved the impact of such dialogue will be very low i agree we may not have achieved the entire potential of ipod for instance on issues like the public order management act mm. the public order management act is being abused by police because the government has refused to make regulations under that law mm. yet it is those regulations that would ensure that the police are restrained but right now the police think that they have the power to deny people permission to gather which is contrary to the spirit of the constitution the failure to have those regulations is something that is a blot on ipod's record so the potential of ipod has not yet been achieved but only a fool would say ipod has done nothing Okay, so National Unity Platform um, last year maintained their stance and said that uh, they will not join iPod because they believe that the conversation or the dialogue therein is not balanced. What would you say to that? It is hypocritical. They are in a parliament where dialogue takes place over laws. Mm. So if they would only be serious if they had refused to take their parliamentary seats. So I I don't take them seriously uh, unless they have nothing to discuss. I I don't see any reason why anybody would say no to dialogue. We need dialogue. Mm. Imagine if uh, president who was then Kabaka Mutesa and the prime minister Obote had had dialogue. We would not have had the 1966 crisis. You're We right. need dialogue. Anybody mm. who says no to dialogue does not love Uganda. Hmm, that is deep. <laughs> 
So the president recently said that um, I think this is the last the, the last meeting you had with the president as members of iPod, and he said that uh, parties that have refused to join iPod do not deserve the facilitation uh, that government provides, and said maybe they need not to get that money. Uh, does the president have a right to do that, or this is embedded in the constitution? I wasn't in that meeting. It was a meeting with Secretary Generals. Okay. Uh, and you should know that Secretary Generals of the member political parties of iPod have been visiting all the party presidents. Mm. So this time they went to visit President Museveni of NRM. Ah, okay. That, that is President Museveni's opinion. If it is stable, we shall discuss it. But we all have to denounce the hypocrites who receive money from a, a, a government which is negotiated by iPod. Mm. And you should know that the supplementary budget had a document which stated clearly that an additional 35 billion was being appropriated as support to political parties under iPod. Mm. It was in black and white. So and the iPod spirit has grown. It is very strong. And anybody who ignores it will become irrelevant in the future of Uganda. Because Uganda is not about President Museveni. Mm. All of you will not be there. And then will, will the, their so-called struggle be ended? No. <laughs> I, I think uh, hypocrisy should be denounced. So, national unity platform in this... Some of them talk to the government secretly anyway. NUP recently, actually in December, they said that the funds were advanced to them, but they declined to take them. Is that true? They are too greedy to decline any money. <laughs> okay. It is like a, a, a goat saying it has declined to eat banana leaves. Uh, That's not possible. They cannot decline. They have no capacity to resist money. You're actually on record for uh, calling them out saying that they did receive the 3.1 billion shillings. Well, I don't know who their treasurer is. I even don't know whether they have a treasurer. Mm. But uh, I, I hope to see the treasurer of NUP speaking out. They definitely provided information about their bank accounts. And it is the bank accounts where the money is sent. And you can't provide details of bank accounts if you're not interested in the money. Yeah, they're interested and they're receiving the money. My worry is that they may fail to account for it because uh, they may spend it on lavish weddings and foreign trips, boat cruises. (laughs) So, Honorable Mao, uh, what would be your closing remarks regarding... Uh, the issue of land rights in Acholi or the politics of the country, anything? We have got to know that the struggle for land rights has always pitted the government against the people. Mm. In 1900, the government was the colonial British power. They dispossessed all the Baganda and turned them into squatters. They divided the land among the Kabaka, the chiefs, the notables, and the colonial government. Mm. When we got independent, the the government of Uganda created land boards in the then 16 districts. Then again in 69, the land boards were disbanded and they created the Uganda Land Commission. The 
most progressive thing that has happened in Uganda is the constitutional provision in Article 237, which says land belongs to the people. And it was not because the government wanted that, not because the CA wanted that. It was demanded by the people of Uganda who went and testified before the Odoke Constitutional Commission. Mm. So the struggle for land rights must be anchored on that constitutional provision that land belongs to the people, yes. not to the government and not to any people. But the people so of I appeal to Ugandans yes. to realize that land is not like a, a, a mat or a mokeka which you can roll and tie behind the border border and ride away. The struggle for land rights is an eternal struggle. And I'm happy that based on my knowledge and my experience, I'm at the forefront of that fight. Ugandans can count on me to be a champion of their land rights. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much for sparing time to have a conversation with us on the Branch Talk. Bye-bye. Bye. That was the man himself, Democratic Party President Nobat Mao, addressing the issues of land. Now, if you have land, of course, most people have land. If you have land and there are land issues in your community, you need to know that land belongs to the people. Educate yourself on issues regarding land. Yes, he launched a campaign about land rights in the Acholi subregion, but there are land issues everywhere in the country, in Uganda, in Western Uganda, name it. So you need to know more about land because if you don't have land today, you may have it tomorrow. But if you have not educated yourself about your rights towards uh, as regards that land, someone else will come and just take it away from you. All your hard earned money will be lost. So educate yourself find out more about land and you will be happy i'm telling you people are killing each other over land so you need to protect yourself and how do you do that by being educated about your land rights this has been the branch talk my name is olive monica najuma i will catch you again next week on the branch talk at 12 p.m until then this is rx radio bye bye